Now please turn in your Bibles to the text for this evening, which is coming from 1 Samuel 7, continuing on in 1 Samuel in the evenings. 1 Samuel 7, we will start in verse 3 once again this evening, uh, but continue to the end of the passage in 1 Samuel 7. So 1 Samuel 7, starting in verse 3. This is God's word. Please give it your full attention. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel." And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel. And he built there an altar to the Lord. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You may be seated. Internet apology videos are some of the strangest genres of videos known to man. They're really a parody of themselves at this point. They're less like apologies and more like people desperately trying to get sympathy. When someone has offended their viewers, the viewers usually uprise against these content creators, or so YouTubers are called these days, and viewers expect a response from their list of grievances. But in line with our age of never taking responsibility, these people come up with disheveled faces and hair, and if they're women, no makeup, and with tears on their face, say, I never thought that I'd be making a video like this, but here we are. I've made a mistake, and I'm just going to be real with you guys. I'm disappointed in myself and have a lot to work on. Frankly, I don't even know who that person was. I was in a really dark place, and I'm going to take some time off and self-reflect. 
along with any number of shallow platitudes, many times blaming the issues on other people, their circumstances, or even their fans. Some of my favorite ones are the ones that were obviously written by publicists, or even AI at this point, if we're being honest. So now some of these people might actually be repentant. That's really the rub of these situations. Publicists pressure, pressure these people to apologize because anyone and everyone can say the words, I apologize, instead of actually being sorry. No matter if you're sorry or not, in the world of public relations, a fake and vague apology has been the go-to for a long time. It confuses your viewers, and they at least won't unite against you. The lies and deceit in most of these apologies has come back to bite these people so that no one actually believes these apologies anymore. Now, the strategy has turned into, instead of apologizing for their actions, many publicists have chosen to completely ignore criticism instead. Apologies still happen, but many people advise against them. In their mind, they do no good since they just admit guilt and weakness. I think that should sink in. We've come so far in our culture that some people now see apologies as a sign of weakness. And, well, are they? And so we come to our text. 1 Samuel 7, verses 3 through 17, after Examining God's demands for Israel's repentance in verses 3 through 4, we come to Israel who has seemed to repent. Israel in 3 through 4 was called to repentance, and it seems like they actually have. It says in verse 4 that they put away their idols, and the Philistines see this as weakness. Last time we saw that all repentance is enabled by God's prior work. In this case, God coming back to Israel and, send, and sending Samuel to convict them of their sin. By God's call, he changed them. And by working life in man's heart, he gave them repentance. Unless God does these things, man is absolutely hopeless to repent and to be saved. He will never repent unless God acts first. So we learned last time. So that man will never come to God unless he knows that God is merciful supernaturally. The Ark of the Covenant returning and God calling to repentance through Samuel was proof that God was merciful. So Israel repented in accordance with God's power, as we already saw, or at least we saw them repent outwardly. Now in our passage, we see the repentance of Israel and are given proofs of whether this repentance is true or false. What is never given in YouTube apologies, action and fruit, which are in keeping with repentance, God provides here in our passage. And this is the difficulty of any repentance, YouTuber or not. How do we tell if it's true? Even in ourselves, we sin time and time again. Ought we to doubt our own repentance all the time? Although the text says in verse 4, So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashereth, and they served the Lord only. Samuel himself seems to wonder if this repentance is true, because he is not content with just this. Instead of simply taking Israel's repentance upon their word, Samuel requires some type of further satisfaction from Israel to prove that they have actually repented, as they have said, even after they threw away their Baals and Asherah. 
especially after grievous sin this is wise to do. And considering Yahweh judged Israel so harshly for Phinehas and Hophni's sins, Samuel was wise to continue exhorting them and requiring fruit to be seen as proof of this repentance. So what are those fruit which Israel displayed to Samuel that would encourage Samuel and Israel that they were repentant, that they were truly repentant? Well, first, it is a true repentant, or rather, true repentance is serious repentance as we get into the fruit of true repentance. First, true repentance is serious repentance. We see how serious Israel is in this passage, in this endeavor. Samuel calls out all Israel in verse 5 and says, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And almost as a matter of fact, (laughs) as a matter of course, the next verse says, So they gathered at Mizpah. This is no no small thing that we see here. In terms of effort and relative distance, this would be incredibly far for most of the Israelites of this day. It would be like, almost like, requiring all the Christians in Texas to come to Amarillo. We would hardly expect even most Reformed Christians to come, even if they are some of the most serious Christians. Yet here we see how serious Israel is in their repentance. They do not cavil and say, oh, it's too long, it's too far, your requirements are too hard, I have to do something else. They go in accordance with God's word. God's word required it, then they did it. And they ought to be serious as we ought to be serious in doing it. Israel had become serious about her repentance and made the long trek to Mizpah. It's no different for repentance today. True repentance is a serious repentance. Christ said in the New Testament, And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Repentance is serious because the consequences are serious. That is, we ought to hate sin enough that we are even willing to cut off those things which are seemingly necessary if they would help us in our daily repentance against sin. It is not merely that the consequences are serious, hell, as Christ calls it here, but that sin is serious and is hateful in itself. Israel was serious enough to make changes in accordance with their repentance, in accordance with God's word. And much of what differentiates true and false repentance is this, whether it is for hatred of sin that we repent, for hatred of consequences. Most YouTubers repent because of consequences. They hate the consequences, and it shows. The Christian confesses his sins and repents because he hates sin and desires to be delivered from his sins, not merely the consequences of his sin. Do we have sorrow for sin and every intention of sinning again? Do we have sorrow for sin, but with every intention of sinning again? That is not repentance. Repentance is turning, and turning is a serious act. Still, for all their changes, for all their serious repentance, it was not to change locations that Samuel called all of Israel at Mizpah. It was to pray for changed hearts. Samuel was to pray, so he says in verse 5, I will pray to the Lord for you. So true repentance here, we see, is prayerful repentance. Serious and then prayerful. 
It was for prayer that Israel came. Not only did Samuel pray for them, they are pouring out their hearts to God themselves. Verse 6 shows this, and they say, confessing their faults, we have sinned against the Lord. No longer seeking control, as we have seen, they, are, they have desired so much control in 1 Samuel. Israel prays. And seeking after control, we often lose the importance of prayer. This is, in fact, the first time that we see them truly praying. Along with this comes fasting, which often comes along with prayer. Every time hunger pains strike you in fasting, it is a reminder not only of what you deserve by your sin, but a reminder of your dependence upon God and a spur to prayer. They fasted and confessed their sins, which often happens together. If we are having trouble confessing our sins or feeling our sins, fasting has been used by God for his people to draw out the hatefulness of our sins and the true nature of our sins to bring us to confession of sin in prayer. For the prayerful man is a humble man and he listens to the word of God. They do not keep to themselves in this, as we see in the text. They fasted and confessed sin to God. Verse 6, Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. They confessed their sin as well to Samuel. That is, Samuel taught Israel the word. And they listened to him as their leader. Samuel judged their repentance there, not merely as a judge, meaning the leader of Israel, the tribes of Israel. This is, this is true from this section. We see him not only showing that Samuel is their judge and leader, that Samuel is now judging their repentance in Mizpah, which is why he required them to come to Mizpah. He is going between the people and helping them to truly repent and confess their sins before God and directing those who are unrepentant to repent, directing those with false repentance to truly repent and how to do so. This is simply to say, the truly repentant man is submissive to legitimate church authority. In this case, this is Samuel holding the keys of the kingdom in the Old Testament. He judged their repentance. Samuel judged Israel at Mizpah. But their repentance was to not only be judged, but tested through trials. True repentance is tested repentance. This repentance like some current wisdom, could bring upon Israel the criticism of weakness. In fact, the Philistines, perhaps sensing this weakness and knowing they have a chance to strike the whole of Israel at Mizpah, come attacking nearly immediately upon their entry. And Israel is not in battle array. In fact, they are very weak in the way the world sees them. Here, they will be greatly tested in their repentance. This is a testing upon them, an admission of weakness in the strength of God. Those who repent are weak, brothers and sisters, and they know that they are weak. As Israel knows that they are weak, that God becomes their strength when they repent. Instead of asking what to do in their own strength, this whole nation instead asks, amazingly, they ask Samuel in the face of death, verse 8, do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, that he might save us from the hand of the Philistines, as he has promised us 
Of course, this was the promise in verse 3 and 4. Here is the true testing of Israel upon their repentance. Would they trust God in accordance with his word to save them if they repented? And if God saves them, it means their repentance was true. Verse 9 says, God answered their prayer, and the Philistines were defeated by the Lord, who, verse 10, thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth See how Israel is not only victorious in the strength of God's might, but also partakes in that victory themselves and pursued the Philistines. This is how it is to repent. It is very hard, but when the Lord gives victory, it is a rout of our enemy, a rout of our sin, and we are encouraged in the good works that we are given. They erect a rock, and this is very important, called Ebenezer, Ebenezer in Hebrew, which translates literally as rock of help. What's interesting about this place is that it's exactly where the Philistines encamped in their first battle against Israel in chapter 4, when Israel was horribly defeated and depleted the whole of their army, it seems. This was just seven months previous. I'm sure there are many dead bodies even there now at this time. When they had all of their own army at their disposal, they had lost seven months previously. Now when Israel is depleted and confesses its idolatry, sinfulness, and weakness, they win without even fighting. Not only this, but they regain in God's overwhelming mercy the cities that were under Philistine oppression. This whole section defies the logic of power religion, the power religion that was so prevalent in Israel, and Israel once worshipped. This power religion says, if you are weak, and outnumbered, then you will lose, and you ought to give up the fight. No, brothers and sisters, your admission of weakness and of failure is strength in God's hands. With God, we shall do valiantly. The repentant one on God's side is never in a vulnerable position. It never exposes our life to harm if we show our weakness to our God and repent not only to him but to one another, if we have hurt others. Rather, it shows our weakness if we keep back our repentance. It shows our weakness if we attempt to overrule God and trust in ourselves in overbearing control or manipulations or power. Why? Because when when we do these things, we believe we are strong in and of ourselves, in and of our sins. But no, brothers and sisters, let us consider rather the strength of our Ebenezer, our rock of help. The great stone of victory was a stone of God's victory and not of Israel's victory. God requires repentance from us, yes, but at the end, even in this story, it is whether God has been merciful to overlook our sins and fight on our behalf on these matters. Israel, if they were considered merely from the quality of their repentance, would have been destroyed by God along with the Philistines. Our repentance, along with every good work, is soiled by our sinfulness. We sin every day. We are sinners, 
from birth and conception. Repentance itself never saves, and it cannot save by itself. The Ebenezer saves. Repentance itself never saves. God's mercy in Christ saves through repentance. Repentance itself never saves. God's mercy in Christ saves through repentance. It was not repentance that thundered against the Philistines in this story. It was God who came to the sinner's rescue. Our stone of help, our Ebenezer, when called upon in prayer, came even when they had not long been repentant and with a soiled repentance. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Had it not been for this stone of help, this God of Israel, the wicked would have overcome the people of God. But with God we shall do valiantly. Why? For the Lord sent for us a stone of help, the greatest stone of victory upon Calvary, the cross. Let us not forget that Christ died for sinners while we were still sinners. It is through this work on the cross that their repentance was acceptable to God. It was true because it was acceptable in Christ Jesus. They were changed And so the repentance was true repentance, but it was not sinless repentance. This is impossible for sinners. Do not be deceived. God cannot repent for you. You must repent, for God cannot ever repent. However, when you repent seriously, prayerfully, submissively, and enduringly through trials, we must simply remember that our repentance buys us Nothing. The payment for Israel's sin was in the work of the cornerstone, the rock of help, the rock of our salvation, the Ebenezer, the stone of victory over death and hell and our sin, Jesus Christ himself. Repent and have faith. Do good works and cast down the evil in your life because you are weak. And he is strong. It is to God's grace and mercy that we are debtors daily And though we wander even in repentance, let us not cease to pray like these Israelites did, that the Lord might mercifully be upon us in Christ Jesus and preserve us unto the end in faith. For it is only with our Ebenezer, our Ebenezer alone, that we shall do valiantly. Let's go to our God in prayer. Our Lord, our God, our Almighty Father, continue to kindle in us repentance. Lord, we pray that even within us, you would give us your wrath against sin, that we might understand our innumerable sins. Grant that when you warn us, that you would restore us to the right way, that we might be pliant in these things, And without delay, that we would repent, and in hatred of sin, that we would turn from these things to Christ, that we would seek you. Lord, we pray that you would give us not false repentance, but devote ourselves wholly to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.